This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, January 9, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Donald Trump's proposed trade team is a triumvirate of protectionist thinkers. Wilbur Ross as head of the Commerce Department, Peter Navarro as head of the new National Trade Council, and Robert Lighthizer as U.S. Trade Representative. Cato Institute's Dan Eikenson and Dan Mitchell discuss the team's background and why U.S. trade policy is now more uncertain than ever. Yes, the three have in common this economic nationalist view where trade is a competition, a zero-sum competition between Team USA and the foreign team. I've happened to debate all all three of them at different points over the past decade and a half, uh, and they each uh, are prominent advocates of, of protection. Uh, Wilbur Ross has been in the business. He's a successful businessman. He uh, was in the business of purchasing and selling steel companies in the mid-2000s and textile companies around the same time. Uh, So he was advocating for uh, prolongation of uh, textile quotas, steel uh, restraints that the Bush administration put into place, primarily because it was beneficial to the transactions he was trying to conduct. But he is, uh, he is committed to that, the idea that we need to restrict imports, uh, that the key to growing the economy is to uh, increase net exports. He and, and Navarro uh, believe that the national income identity is a growth equation or growth formula rather than just an income identity. Uh, it, really what it demonstrates is what we do with national output. Output is either consumed by, by citizens, by government, by business, or it's exported. Uh, there's a minus M there, minus imports, because embedded in C, I, and G uh, are, uh, are, are imports. So we have to subtract them out. They present the national income identity as though it is an equation where, which demonstrates that there's an inverse relationship between imports and, and GDP, when in fact uh, 40 out of the last 41 years uh, both have moved in the same direction. Uh, imp- when imports rise, GDP rises. Uh, when imports rise, jobs increase. So that's a, at the center of the debate right now. It's a fallacy that has been uh, promoted by economists on the left, labor-oriented economists, and now uh, Trump's uh, protectionist triumvirate. The problem I have with their outlook is they really seem to think that trade deficits are a sign that you're losing. When, from a macroeconomic perspective, in addition to what Dan was talking about, trade deficits are actually the flip side of a capital surplus. So if foreigners want to invest a lot of money in the U.S. economy, that's usually uh, a positive referendum on America's economic outlook. And yet they seem to think that somehow if trade isn't exactly in balance with every single country, something must be wrong, somebody must be cheating, somebody must be losing. And I think that's just a silly silly thought. And I feel sorry for my colleague Dan Eikenson (laughs) for having to deal with this kind of economic mythology. We're, we're talking about a triumvirate. These are people who will be deeply involved in uh, the Trump administration's dealings on matters of trade. Robert Lighthizer uh, is designated to be uh, U.S. trade representative. What do we know about him? Well, he's a longtime trade attorney in Washington, uh, representing U.S. steel interests primarily in anti-dumping and countervailing duty cases. He has um, seen some of his cases. You know, his, his professional effort has been committed toward keeping foreign steel out of the U.S. market. And some of the cases in which he's been involved uh, were brought to the World Trade Organization. The governments of the, of the companies caught up in these cases said, hey, the United States is implementing its anti-dumping law 
in, in ways that uh, contravene their obligations under the WTO's anti-dumping agreement. And the U.S. lost many of those cases. And I think that left a bad taste in Lighthizer's mouth. Uh, he seems to think that the, the, the dispute settlement body at the WTO has overstepped its bounds, uh, has usurped U.S. sovereignty, has uh, read obligations into the agreement that don't exist. And he and I had a debate uh, at, uh, at the Council on Foreign Relations about 10 years ago, and he advocated that we should assemble a panel of uh, retired federal judges to review all of these adverse WTO decisions, uh, and uh, you know the purpose of which would be to collect evidence to support the idea that the WTO is anti-American or that we should withdraw from the WTO. And we've never had anybody like that uh, as the U.S. trade representative. The USTR is supposed to be more of a diplomatic, uh, outgoing, collegial sort of negotiator type. Uh, he's, he's, he's more of, a, uh, of an enforcement, uh, uh, hard-driving enforcement, anti-China, uh, pro-protection economic nationalist. And uh, so we're in uncharted waters uh, with, with him at that post. All right. Now, with respect to, uh, and of course, the third member of uh, the Trump protectionist triumvirate, say that three times fast, is uh, Peter Navarro, who uh, has been, I've heard that name so for so many years. And uh, from Cato people, it's, it's never been a particularly positive uh, assessment of uh, his conclusions. Yeah, so he's a professor at the University of California. He's Harvard trained. Uh, his his views on economics are unique in the sense that there probably isn't another living person on the planet uh, who, uh, who who endorses his views. He's stridently anti-China. He uh, I, I imagine him conducting trade from a bunker, you know, wearing military fatigues. Uh, he, he he considers trade to be you know a, a branch of of warfare. Uh, he is um, adamant that the Chinese have uh, been cheating ever since they joined the WTO in 2001. Uh, and he's pretty convinced that they're out to get us and that we have no business engaging in trade with China, with a country that, uh, that is, is intent on, on, on dominating the world. And he wants to uh, stop China's rise. Uh, so he... Uh, he it's funny, uh, over the summer, I got a call from a reporter asking, you know, who Trump might appoint to positions at Commerce or in the White House or at USTR. And what came to mind were the names Peter Navarro, Wilbur Ross, and Bob Lighthizer. Uh, and it turns out that maybe I actually gave the administration uh, an idea to go out and seek these guys. Uh, but uh, if for, for those of us who are free trade oriented. Uh, for those of us who believe in markets, uh, this is just a nightmare come true. To Dan Mitchell, to you, Ross and Navarro have written together uh, on subjects related to uh, the things you talked about, global taxation and that sort of thing. What have been uh, their writings and your assessment? Well, the, the paper they wrote for the Trump campaign, which is uh, still out there on the internet, uh, made a remarkable claim dealing with tax policy that touches on my areas of interest, where they said that if other countries have value-added taxes, that's an unfair uh, trade uh, penalty against America. Uh, but that's nonsensical. I'm, I'm not a fan of value-added taxes, by the way. I'm going to fight to the death to make sure we never have one in the U.S. But if, say, Mexico has a 16% value-added tax, yes, that means when America exports to Mexico, that 16% tax, value-added tax, is imposed on American products. But guess what? Every single product that's produced in Mexico 
also has that 16% tax. So there's there's no discrimination against American goods. The Mexican government is, is skimming off 16% of the value of everything. And likewise, if products are produced and sold in America, there's no VAT. And if Mexican products are imported into America, we obviously don't impose a VAT on them. So there's a level playing field on both sides of the border. The VAT, it, it's a bad idea from a fiscal policy perspective for financing bigger government, but it doesn't give another country a trade advantage over us. And yet, Ross and Navarro genuinely seem to believe this. Well, why, what, is, what is the source of that argument then? Well, the source of the argument is that the way a VAT works is you're imposing the VAT on everything produced in your country, and then anything that is imported into your country, you also impose the VAT at the border. And so they're looking just in isolation at what happens at the border. Ah, look at those Mexicans imposing a 16% VAT on American products. That must be discriminatory. But it's not discriminatory because they're imposing that VAT on their products as well. It's bad fiscal policy, but it's not bad trade policy. You know, I would I would say this. At least that border tax adjustability issue is something that is being addressed in Congress uh, through typical normal channels. But uh, what what, uh, what what Lighthizer and Navarro are also proposing is to impose a 10 percent across the board tariff on all imports, which is you know, uh, separate and apart from from this border tax adjustability issue. The idea, uh, the way they sell it, is. We need balanced trade. And how are we going to balance trade? Let's impose uh, t taxes on imports uh, so that uh, you know, we import less. But what, what is crazy about this is last year we imported $2.2 trillion, $2 .2 trillion worth of goods. Half of that, $1.1 trillion, were intermediate goods, inputs, uh, raw materials, capital equipment. Which, which is a point that should never be uh, minimized when, when that is all the stuff that Americans use from overseas to make stuff that employs Americans. Exactly. That's $1.1 trillion worth of goods. You throw a 10% tax on that, that's $110 billion added to the costs of U.S. manufacturers. Can they make it up by selling more abroad? No, because foreigners are, will have fewer dollars to buy U.S. exports with, and foreigners will certainly retaliate. Foreign governments will put tariffs on U.S. exports, which will reduce uh, U.S. revenues. So it's going to squeeze profits. And what's that going to do? It's going to cause manufacturers to lay off workers, not to invest. And those manufacturing workers who are laid off, the ones Trump is allegedly going to bat for, are also going to see their cost of living rise because we're talking about a 10% tariff on the consumer goods as well as, as these capital goods and, and intermediate goods. So they're, they're, they're going to have to pay more for everything. It's going to be a disaster. And what I think is important is after just a few months, the, the negative uh, repercussions will be manifest. People will notice them. And hopefully, uh, that will be enough to uh, cause Trump to reverse course. Now, uh, you well, you would hope that. Uh, Peter Navarro has been uh, tapped to head a new National Trade Council. What what do we know about that group and what their uh, purpose is? You know, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, s some people think that hey, maybe uh, Navarro needed to uh, get some payback for his role in the in in the campaign for his contributions and keeping him out of commerce or USTR, where he would have had maybe more power, uh, was is a good thing. It's, it's unclear what kind of influence the, this new council will have on Trump. It's unclear who will be the tiebreaker if there are differences of opinions among his advisors. Um, 
But uh, certainly if you have your office right down the hall from the president and you learn the president's habits and this president's tendency is to like advice that corroborates his own views and rubber stamps them, it'll be easier for Navarro to you know, customize his, his perspectives to, 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 so that they're easily spoon-fed uh, to Trump. But uh, it, it's, it's, it's not clear what, uh, what that agency's role is going to be. And with uh, Robert Lighthizer at USTR, uh, what is the U.S. trade representative? What does he do? Well, they have two major functions. Uh, the, the primary one is to negotiate uh, trade liberalization and new, new trade deals around the world. Um, the, the outgoing administration just negotiated the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, which is a big comprehensive trade agreement, but this administration has, has rejected it on its face. Uh, the appointment of Lighthizer indicates that the, the, the emphasis at USTR will shift from trade liberalization uh, and pursuit of trade agreements to trade enforcement and prosecution. So, so the other function of USTR is to hold our trade partners to their obligations. So there's a general counsel's office there which uh, looks at the policies of our trade partners and, and matches them up to their obligations at the WTO or at our, in our bilateral trade agreements to see if they're uh, living up to their obligations. And if they're not, uh, we can bring cases. But uh, th that process has always been very circumspect. It takes a while. The, the general counsel's office usually doesn't want to bring cases unless they're sure they're going to win. And for political reasons, sometimes they defer altogether. But this administration seems very intent on bringing a lot of cases against China, Mexico, other developing countries that uh, uh, American firms outsource to, and probably Europe as well. And that probably has something to do with this, this, this tax issue. Uh, as the tax code is overhauled and there are some, some provisions in it that run into, uh, that are, are, are questionable at the WTO, the Europeans would be the most likely complainants. Um, but if uh, the Trump administration can find some areas where the, the Europeans are in violation of their obligations, maybe that would keep them sitting on their hands rather than challenging uh, the new U.S. Uh, tax code. But in general, uh, you know, Republicans have been fairly free trade for many years. What does it mean to have an incoming Republican administration uh, with three noted protectionists uh, in key positions related to trade dealing with a Congress that would, uh, one assumes, like to continue to liberalize? You know, I think we're going to have to see how this all plays out. I mean, this is not your father's Republican presidency, but it's your great-grandfather's, you know. Uh, the Republicans were pretty protectionist from the Civil War until the, you know, mid-30s. Um, there is, you know, Lighthizer likes to point out, uh, you know, that Teddy Roosevelt, from Teddy Roosevelt to Ronald Reagan, that Lincoln to Roosevelt to, to Ronald Reagan, uh, Republican presidents have not been blinded by free trade ideology, but in fact were skeptical of free trade. Um, I think the Congress has more uh, members who are committed to the idea of free trade and understand the importance of markets. Uh, there's a honeymoon period right now. Right now, I think Congress is being more Republican than it's being Congress. Uh, but at some point, uh, you know, this honeymoon period will, will expire. And, and uh, I, I think there's a chance that the TPP could actually be re revived. Um, I, ju I just think this, this is going to be a transitional period here. And, uh, and Hope is not all lost. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Dan Eikenson directs trade policy studies at the Cato Institute. Dan Mitchell is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. 
Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.